Father, we pray, Lord, that you would make us more like Jesus. Father, may we devote more of our life to you. Call us to yourself. May we be receptive and hear your word today. Lord, make less of us and more of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Jared Irvine, and I'm actually the pastor of junior high, and I have the great privilege this morning to preach to you. Pastor John, he is, and his wife Shelly are on vacation. Uh, I think they're enjoying the great state of Oregon, and uh, so hopefully it's a nice restful time for him. So I'm going to rewind a bit. Before I was a junior high pastor, before I was an intern in the satellite ministry, I was a senior in college, and I went to Biola University, and it was about a year before I was going to graduate. But at this time in my life, I had no idea, I had no idea what God was going to call me to, where I, where I was supposed to go, what I was supposed to do after. And in about a year's time, they're going to hand me a diploma, and then I'm going to walk out into to what? I didn't know. So I was feeling pretty anxious and uncertain about, about what God has called me to. But one thing I did know is that he had, he had led me on a journey to that point in my life. And he, has take, he took me from being a, an apathetic teenager, which I was, to someone who, who really dove in and read the New Testament with great ferocity in college. And someone who, who wanted to start reading other works of Christian literature. And I felt this passion to study God's word and to proclaim it. But yet I didn't know if that was God's call for me was... Do I do the ministry route? Is that where you're pulling me to, God? Because I see some certain gifts maybe you've given me or this passion that I have. But God, can you just tell me? Have you ever been there? Can you just tell me what I'm supposed to do? Is this where you've called me to be? And so, like I said, I was feeling pretty anxious. And so I decided to go on a run. Now, I, I used to run before I got married and had a child. And... I, I ran in college, and I just felt like I needed to, to get that out. And so I went to this place, and uh, it was kind of a park, very quiet. No one else is there, and I'm, like, praying to God. I'm, I'm yelling up at him. I, I did what literally what Pastor John told us to do last week. I looked to the Lord, and I spoke audibly to him. And I know I get it. I get it. God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. He's closer to, my, to me than my own breath, but yet it helped me to look skyward, and I prayed. Lord, can you reveal to me, can you just tell me in this moment, I'm seeking you, Lord, is this what you've called me to do? Because I only do what you want me to do. And I got silence. That's all, that's all I got. I got silence. But yet I knew, I already knew the decision that I needed to make. I had seen where God had led me to. I had seen him giving me certain talents and abilities and passions and gifts and all these things. And, and yet he's also given me an opportunity because I knew about an internship that our own very church has. And I could apply to that. And so I said, that's 
That's what you're calling me to do, Lord. I'm going to step out in faith. Though you won't reveal to me audibly, I believe this is where you're leading me to. And so I contacted Pastor John, and uh, I was actually too sheepish to enter the office. And so if you remember our old building, I know it's been a while, uh, where the junior high room was, uh, that was the office at one point. And there was an exterior door that was Pastor John's, like his quick entrance or exit, right? Right there. So I actually went up to that door, and I knocked on it. And Pastor John opened it with his smiling face. And from that open door has led to many others, to where I'm standing here before you now. And so that was a major decision in my life. And we all have major decisions where that decision could change the trajectory of your entire life. And we also have very minor decisions, right, that you make that really make no account of your, your overall life. So we all have to make decisions. And so the theme of this morning's sermon is making the most major decision of your life. So the decision that is the most important is who are you going to worship? Because if you're a human being, everyone worships someone, something. We are creatures that worship. That's what we do. We have to choose, even if you're an atheist, you, you at least put ultimate value on something. And that technically is what you worship, though you would never say it. Right? Who are you going to worship? What are you going to give your ultimate allegiance to? Everyone has to make that decision. Whether you make that consciously or unconsciously, you have made it. And your entire life shows what decision you've made. And so that's actually the most important decision that you're ever going to make. And so although that was a major decision in my life about whether I go into ministry or not, guess what? That's not the most important decision I've ever made. Because if I decided oh, I'm going to go into the workforce somewhere, then the Lord would use me there powerfully, right? He would use me to, to witness and to, to live a life that would honor and glorify him. The most important decision is who are you going to worship? And so that affects every single person in this room, every single person watching online, every single person in the world. And that's what the subject of Joshua 24 is. This is what Joshua charges the people of Israel with. Choose this day. Choose this day who you're going to serve. And then, of course, his famous retort is, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I pray that's our answer this morning. Well, I hope that this morning that we don't look at Joshua 24 as merely an ancient piece of history, though it is history, and though it happened in the yesterday. This is not just an ancient piece of history that you look back and say, oh, that's interesting, but has no real effect on our life. Because Joshua, the same choice that he put forward to Israel, God is putting forth to us this morning. That same question is the one that we have to answer, that we have to wrestle with. And so our posture this morning is not to stand over the word as kind of an observer with like a monocle. I have two. I have two. I don't have one. That would be really cool. And looking over it and be like, oh, that's a very interesting piece of history. But you walk away and it does nothing for your life. 
I don't mean to offend anyone who's wearing a monocle. But, but we need to stand under the word, to be submitted to it, to be receptive to it. To know that this is God's living word. The author is ultimately God who is alive and is speaking to us this morning. So our prayer is that we would be receptive to your word, Lord. Help us today. I love the word today. And he says, choose this day. The word today is an ever-present word. Though he said it yesterday, in the yesterday, a long time ago, today is the present. It's right now. It's always in the present. And so the the question today is, who are you going to serve? Who are you going to worship? So our our main point is choose this day, choose today to love and serve our, God, our Lord of grace. So the last time Pastor John was in the book of Joshua, we looked through Joshua 9, parts of 10, parts of 11. And now we're in chapter 24. That's a big jump, right? There's, a, there's some numbers in between there. I'm not good at math, so I'm not going to attempt to try to determine how many numbers there are in between there. So what happened between Joshua 11, the last time we were in this room, opening God's word, and and now? Well, have you ever, like, watched a football game and you've fallen asleep and you wake up and you ask someone who's in the room with you, like, what happened? What did I miss? And they say, like, "Eh, not much, actually. That's pretty much our answer this morning. There's not a lot that really happened in that between that time and now. Uh, technically, that's not true because what they do is they end up finishing the conquest of the land. They divide the portions of the land to all the tribes, and they give meticulous, and this would be important for them in that day, boundary markers. This is your allotted territory. Okay, so that is, that's what happened. And, but the book of Joshua really is a high point of the history of Israel so far, right? So we, we've, in, the, in the whole grand narrative structure of the Bible, we're looking at Joshua. So you got ex, or Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and then you have Joshua. Joshua is a huge high point because all the promises that God gave to Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12, have now been realized, right? One of the threefold promises that God gave to Abraham was this land, this promise, that's why it's called the promised land, this land of promise that he gave to Abraham and his offspring has now actually been realized. The people of Israel are going to be now, they're living in the land, it's a pretty cool moment, right? So this is, their, this is a very high point in their, in their history. But Joshua at this point is an old man. He is at the end of his life. But he's not done yet. He has got one final message that he wants to give to the people of Israel. Because he's very concerned with them, right? He wants them to have success in the land that they are now going to live. And so what Joshua is going to do is give them this final message to a people that's going to outlive him. 
He's not going to be living long in the land. There are going to be people who are going to outlive him. And he wants them to have success. And so he's going to, what he's going to do is we'll see, he's going to rewind. He's going to look back at what God has brought them through. Starting even before Abraham, we'll see. All the way back to their present moment. He's going to look at God's past faithfulness. And then he's going to lead them right to the present decision. Okay, based on what we've seen, what God has done in the past, you still have to make a decision. Who are you going to worship? And then depending on how they make that decision and what they do affects, directly affects how their future is going to go. So we have the past, the present, and the future. So we're going to look at God's past grace Looking at Joshua 24, 1 through 13. I'm not going to read all of this section, um, but what we see here is that Joshua is at the end of his life. And he has a great vantage point. I mean, Joshua lived through a lot. He actually was part of the generation that came up out of Egypt. And he was Moses' assistant for a long time. He went through the entire wilderness period and also saw the entire conquest of the land. He has seen almost everything. He is very experienced. He has a great vantage point. He's seen God do absolute wonders, miracles of provision. And now he's speaking to a people in a few generations. They won't remember. They were not there when God brought them out of Egypt. They were not there when God brought them through the wilderness. All they're going to know is the promised land. That's all they're going to know. And Joshua's like, you cannot forget what God has done in the past. His faithfulness to us. So this is like, this is Grandpa Joshua. You know, concerned about his grandkids. People are going to live way past him. And he wants them to choose and serve the Lord. And not the gods of these other nations that they're going to be dwelling in. Because he knows that this is the most important decision. And that's going to affect their future. Who they're going to worship. He knows there's going to be worship challenges. They're going to be dwelling in the midst of people who have ultimate allegiances not to Yahweh. And they're going to be pulled. They're going to be tempted to try to assimilate and look like these other nations. And he's saying, you can't do that. You have to serve the Lord. If only they would listen to their elder. If only we would listen to our elder, Joshua, this morning. Because we have nations that surround us. We have our culture that do not put their ultimate allegiance in God. They don't decide to follow Jesus. They decide to follow whatever else they want to do. But we can be pulled. We can be tempted to do the very same things. But would we listen this morning? Would we listen this morning to Joshua? And would we also say with him, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So, before he gives that though, he goes through some history. So Joshua 24.1 he says, Joshua gathered, he gathers everyone, all the tribes to Shechem, summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, the officers of Israel. They presented themselves before God. And then Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, 
So before I get into what he's actually going to be saying here, that's a very key phrase. Thus saith the Lord. You guys remember that? Like that's old English, but thus saith the Lord. What is that always meaning? This is a prophet. He's going to be speaking in first person singular. Does not mean himself. He's not speaking as Joshua here. He's actually being the prophet of the Lord here. Speaking to the people on behalf of God. Appealing to them. Using not just God in third person singular. Like he, him. But I. I. God making a personal, intimate appeal to the people of Israel. Based on what God himself has done in their history. So it says, long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. That's a long ways away, right? That's modern-day Iraq. They're in Canaan. This is before Abraham even came to Canaan. It says, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. So this is before Genesis 12. This is when they were living in the land of Ur, way far away, and they were idolaters. They followed the gods of their, the nations around them. They didn't know God. Till God revealed himself to Abraham and called him to Canaan. And it says, Then I took your father, Abraham, from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan. And made his offspring many. Now check this out. I'm just going to quickly go through this. But notice all the things that God says he did. I gave Isaac. I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave Esau this hill country. I sent Moses and Aaron. Now we're going through the entire history, right? I did in the midst of it. Afterward, I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt. Then the Egyptians pursued your fathers. When they cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. May the sea come upon them and cover them. Your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. You lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites. They fought with you and I gave them into your hand. And you took possession of their land. I destroyed them before you. Dropping down to 10. So I delivered you out of his hand. And then in verse 13. I gave you a land on which you had not labored. Cities that you had not built. And you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. So he went from all the way before Abraham to their present moment. And just said this is all of what God has done, his past grace, his past faithfulness to the people of Israel, everything that he has done for them. None of it is something that they did. God has done everything from electing Abraham all the way to the end of giving them, delivering them out of Egypt and delivering them this land of which they have all these amazing things that they didn't even have to work for. Wow. That's amazing. Why would, God do, why would God do any of that, let alone all of that? And this is the amazing thing about grace. We don't have a good answer for it. We can't say, oh, in human reason, this is clearly the reason why. 
you, you have to just stop there and say, we don't have a human reason for it. God made a decision. God chose. God did that. It's undeserved. That's the point of grace. It's not something we earned. It's not something they merited. It is completely undeserved. That's the gift of God. That's the grace of God. And so he's holding this in front of the people saying, remember, remember the goodness of our God. Because that's, gonna, that's what's actually going to, to change our hearts, is encountering the grace of God. Now, we live in the New Covenant era, which is different but the same in some respects. We have a really rich history, a really rich history of God's past grace in our life. I would, I would definitely argue richer even than as great as what God did for the people of Israel, he has done even greater for believers in this age. This side of the cross, it's not even comparable, right? What God has actually done in his son, Jesus Christ, is not comparable. That God would personally, personally, Take on flesh. Jesus did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, but became a servant and died on a cross. That he would give his life. That is as ultra-personal as you can ever get. That he would send his only son. I mean, we have amazing verses. I'm only going to read two this morning. But Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And you were dead you were dead. This is all of our history before we became believers in Jesus. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That's our past history before becoming a believer in Jesus. But then it says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. In Colossians 2:13 through 15. And you who were dead, same thing, you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, telling us all that we are guilty. In the cosmic court, we stand guilty. But this, he canceled the record of that debt that each of us carried. He set aside how? By nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And as Romans 8.1 says, there is now no condemnation. There is no guilty penalty. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That's our collective history. That's our history of 
of God's grace. And what I would say is also, don't stop there, but get particular. Get particular. Think about all the grace that God has given to you individually. All the blessings that you have experienced throughout your life, young or old, right? And and all the things, every day, every grace that we receive from God. If we were to try to count them, it's like trying to count the sand on the seashore. It's that many. We have an amazing amount of grace that God has given to us. And so the order must be God's grace first, then our response. And see, this is what Joshua does too. He doesn't just start with the charge. He first reviews everything that God has done, displaying the grace of God. Because the good news is not what we have done or what we can do, but what God has already done. In his son, Jesus Christ. That's 1 John 4, 19. We love, that's our response. We love, but because he first loved us. And so life now for us, our Christian life is lived out of gratitude. And I'm, and I'm sure you've heard Pastor John, he's talked about how, you know, the, actually the word gratitude comes from Latin meaning grace. And so it's, it's really appreciating the grace in our life. Gratitude is an attitude formed by grace. And that's what we have to have is appreciating the grace of God in our life and then having gratitude. And then that's how we live as we respond. As First John 4.19, we love because we appreciate what he has done for us. He loved us. And so grace, this past grace is the power It's the power to change our hearts, and it's what makes our hearts sing and want to follow the Lord. And so if you feel distant from God this morning, I would challenge you this week today to think deeply, to meditate, to to take inventory, as Pastor John has said before, about your past life, this life that you've lived, right? And, And take inventory of what God has done and Think about concrete actions of God in your life. And the prayer is that your heart would be in so filled with thankfulness that you would say, I want to give my life to this amazing, gracious God. It's not just love in the abstract. If it's just up in the clouds, you know, if it can't come down into your actual concrete day-to-day life, if you can't see God's amazing grace and provision each day, then his love is just a, it's just a word. But fill that in. Fill that in with your life. And I know that takes some thinking. And I know we live in a distracted age. But we got to take some time to think concretely about his amazing grace. I look at my wife in the front row and my child, and those are just two things I see every day. And I thank God that he has given me so, you know, those concrete actions and so many more. If we were to see that, we would would have enough fuel to last a lifetime. We have enough fuel. And so, so when we take our eyes off grace, 
that it becomes a problem. So that leads us to this present decision. In Joshua 24, 14 and 15. Joshua says this, Now therefore, based on everything he's just said about the past, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is the climax really of the book. I mean, he's putting them to this test or this, this challenge. Who are you going to serve now that you're living in this land? Who are you going to worship? Based on everything that God has done into your history until now, you have to make a decision today. Who are you going to worship? And here's the thing. God, uh, jo Joshua can give an amazing, glorious past description of God's grace, but only you can make that decision. Joshua can't make it for the people of Israel. No one can make it for you. You have to make that choice. And you can spurn the grace of God. As, as we'll see, actually, if you keep reading the history of Israel, they do. Many of them do. And so can we. That's our predicament too. We have past grace available. We have Jesus Christ and his forgiveness available. The question is, do we receive it or do we end up rejecting it? Do we spurn the grace of God? That's our decision. That's our choice. And I love that Joshua is like this, this grandpa Joshua. And yet he's saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's still making this decision. He's like, yeah, Joshua, your whole life. He's a very positive figure in the Bible. His whole life is one of faithfulness. And yet he's even saying it right now. He's like, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It's still a decision you have to make. Every day, it's a daily decision that says, I have followed Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. And there's no turning back. And we say that every single day. And, I, you know, I love Peter's words in John chapter 6 because Jesus had just told this really hard teaching and they, a lot of them decided to walk away. And Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, do you want to go away as well? Jesus just bluntly asked them, what about you? What are you going to do? And may our answer be like Peter when he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus has the words of eternal life. He has given us and he will give us the actual future promised land, the one that this is merely just a foretaste of, the one that Joshua and, his, and the crew come into. He's giving us the heavenly country. Are we going to go away from him or are we going to stick with Jesus? Because we have decided to follow him. Because where are we going to go? Jesus has the words of eternal life. And so though people may be turning away, the statistics show 
in alarming rates, right, from several generations ago down. It's just this steady decline down. People are turning away in my generation. People are turning away in our nation. People are turning away in this world in many ways. But you know what? That's, that's their decision, right? And although we don't want that, we can't control that. All Joshua says here is, that's your choice, but what are you going to do? Are you going to turn away? Jesus is asking us poignantly this question this morning. Are you going to go away as well? And as may we answer in the words of Peter and, and in the words of Joshua this morning, but as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. So I didn't, I didn't give their answer. I'm not going to read 16, 17, 18. For the simple reason, that generation is dead. That generation's gone. The people of Israel, you could read it, and you can read if they actually lived up to it. The question is this morning, what are we going to do? How are we going to answer that? We have that choice because today is today. Because we have life. And here's the thing. In the end of Joshua 24, it's a graveyard. Joshua dies. Joseph's bones are buried. Eliezer, the high priest, dies. Pretty, pretty sad end. It's all these deaths. And that's just, a, that's just a gentle reminder that every generation will die. Even as great as a person as Joshua is going to die. And even though he's faithful, death comes to all. But here's the thing. He still speaks to us from the grave in a, speak, in a, in a way through, his, through this word, right? Who are we going to serve? Who are we going to worship? And so while we have breath in our lungs today, while we have life, while there is a day called today, may we answer this morning, Grace Community Church, with the words of this ancient man named Joshua. But make them ours. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, if you've never made that decision, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, why not today? What's holding you back? While you have breath in your lungs today, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I invite you, after we sing our final song of worship, to come up, see me right here. I'll be right here. And we can pray and you can begin your new life today. Well, we're going to sing uh, the song, I Have Decided, and to follow Jesus. And our prayer this morning is that that would be our declaration for today. And may we sing it again tomorrow, and then on Tuesday, and Wednesday. You know, it's a daily decision. But for this moment, may this song be our declaration. Let me pray and then... The team's going to lead us in it. Well, Father, we, we are grateful for this day. This day is not taken for granted, Lord. We, we want to praise you that we have life. And, Lord, thank you for your word and how you speak to us, even from an ancient word today, that you are calling us to yourself. And we have to make that decision, Lord. We pray that we would make that decision, but not just in word, but indeed, and with our life and in truth. Lord, help us. Help us to follow you. It can be very difficult in this world that we live in, but you are faithful, 
and you have been faithful. And Lord, remind us of your faithfulness so that we give you praise because you deserve, you are worthy of it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.